following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm, Chapter 126, Cillian, God. As chaotic as everything had been a moment ago, everything now returned to dead silence. Emotion and the sound and the lights, and the vertigo had gone. It was only the tribe that was left, nursing the wounds of their psychic assault, with Tani engaged on the floor with a series of small lights which were fading, and all of them under a beam of the ever-present spotlight which illuminated them now upon the infinite stretch of blue crystal panels. Kailana, who had just seen her other self murdered, had fallen to her knees now and was crying softly. Nora summoned all of them together and motioned them to set out from this spot immediately. This way. For this place upon the plane was cursed. Follow me. Their wounds had stunned and staggered them, but they were able to move on. No time was taken even to heal, for in regard to this nightmare that they had faced, she knew secretly that they had no defense against it. So starving and depleted, they trekked on. At first, Nora said nothing as the Mazari dark elf slid effortlessly across the panels, steadfast and leading the others quickly to the east. Vela was small compared to her, and her hands were bound as they had been since her capture. For Vela's kind had hunted their tribe. Vela's kind had plotted to take away one of their own, though that seemed so far away now in the kingdom they had no hope of returning to. We will find a way out, said Nora, responding to the Mazari, but refusing to meet her gaze. Vela held up her wrists, bound in rope, as if to illustrate her words. Nora stopped in her march, turning a small bronze horn to point at Vela. Nora, with her plate armor left behind now, was dressed only in the jurgen and the V-cut. In front of it showed her chest rising and falling, subtly betraying her vulnerability in this, her helplessness, which Vela had touched. Vela took one measured step towards their leader, lifting up her wrists yet an inch higher, presenting them to Nora as all of the others watched. It is I, Abel Enzo, greeting you all at the onset of Chapter 126 for the Iron Realm. I'm very excited to have you all here, and I'm triply excited too for a number of projects coming to you from the realm. Finished now, and ready to take into your own hands the seventh book in the Maze Master series, The Solitaire tribe advancement and maze master's guide it's been long awaited 
but now you can take it from Drive Through RPG. Follow along with the podcasts as the characters continue to rise in power, or use it as a reference for your own Maze Masters campaign. Aside from this, I have the eighth book in progress right now on the Patreon page, patreon.com slash theironrealm. And this next book I've been waiting to release for really quite some time. It's The Iron Realm, Solitaire Spell Creation, and Maze Master's Guide. Although I have years of notes on the explicit procedures and details for creating custom spells in the Iron Realm, it is only now many years in that I am taking the opportunity to codify it. All of this for posterity, for my honored travelers, and to be contributed to the ultimate legacy of the Iron Realm. Join me on Patreon to see this work in progress as it comes together a piece at a time. And speaking of Patreon, the new Iron Realm podcast campaign can be found there too, the Iron Realm Dungeon Arena. I've just put the finishing touches on number 13, that is to say, the final installment of the first story arc. But the Iron Realm Arena doesn't play like most other podcasts. For each episode is a scenario, a tactical foray that you can play through with a tribe of your own design in any order desired. Visit me on Patreon monthly and select the hand-picked random contest, the active contest straight from the Maze Master to you. Battle with the Crypt Skeletons, the Poison Imps, the Tymeri, the Blorogs, the Sliplin, and the Lord of Eyes. A different adventure featured each and every month Play along, if you will, piece together the full story, and support the Iron Realm cause as you battle your gladiators to victory. (laughs) I think you can see why I'm so excited, and I'm truly anticipating your arrival at my Patreon. For these 126 episodes are just the beginning. There's an exquisite additional Iron Realm tale to be gleaned by you there. An obscure further 13, which details the travels of Grace, the leader, Anselm, the defender, Lucian, the scout, and Quaylen, the specialist. (laughs) Stay with me after the end of this podcast, and I'll be glad to share with you a little excerpt from the Iron Realm Arena. Consider it my own personal invitation to you to delve in deeper than you ever have before. After all, episode 126, (laughs) if you've come this far with me, why not go all the way? With all of this said, tonight we rejoin the tribe of Nora, the wizards, the elves, the dwarves, the humans, the clerics, the Uname, the gnome, the Mezari, the Zerum and all of them under the deadly attention of the Cillian Collective, or perhaps worse than this, trapped in the machinations 
of the unfeeling technology which has survived their race. I, Neringa Zoltoskaita, lend my voice and talents to the Iron Realm podcast. The Iron Realm copyright Apple Enzo can be found with full episodes and summaries at theironrealm.com and at theironrealm.blogspot.com. Be all of you well in the light and in the dark. Iron Realm. A selection of tonight's music has been provided by Coltrane Compositions. Max, I thank you for your alliance with the Iron Realm Podcast. Friends and allies, check out Max at patreon.com slash Compositions in order to support the continuing work. Max offers an free and weak downloads for all his music there, including one-hour loops, alternate track versions, maps from collaborators, and much, much more. Plus, check the show notes on this episode of The Iron Realm at theironrealm.blogspot.com for further details on Max's contribution and a link to his YouTube as well. Coltrane Compositions, my friends. Check it out for yourself and salute to a true ally and friend to the Iron Realm. Tribal Matters. It is the 23rd day of Sakaris. The tribe is at position 1211 of the Null Space Expanse. The current spells for the group are as follows. Kailana, Mystic Missile, and Psychic Rope, Amazar, Aura, Against Evil, and Ignite. Lilena, Sea Magic, and Illumination. Orson, Mind Charm Lesson, and Invisible Shield. Len, Hands of Healing and Heart of Healing. Twyla, Hands of Healing times two and Heart of Healing. Nim, Hands of Healing times two. Brina, Hands of Healing. All the Uname still have retained the power of their horns. The Sword of Heaven in Solus's care and the Handmaiden of Aphrodite in Nora's care are both fully charged and at the ready. Regarding life points, every member of the tribe is down by three, except for Solus, who has a total of 24 out of 32. The tribe further receives 100 level points for completing Dire Test 2. And, according to my notes, I don't think I awarded any for the first test, so let's give a further 100 level points for completing Dire Test 1. Having barely escaped the psionic assault of the Cillian technology, the tribe of Nora pushes on from their current location with haste 
continuing to move for hours and not stopping until 10 o'clock p.m. Ultimately, the tribe is reassured that they are again alone in the vast blue desert following Tani's thwarting of the hidden panel which seemed to control the psionic targeting of the mind probe. The group unpacks and lays down the many hide blankets in their possession, pushing them all together in a shape reminiscent of a square and therefore emotionally comforting to them, as it seems to suggest a small space, a room like those they are most familiar with from the maze. Even so, the bright glaring spotlight is always upon them, and so what transitory comfort comes upon them in their place of rest is met as well by an equal measure of anxiety. Len leads the other healers in examining the tribe's mates. Solus has a somewhat moderate burn wound upon his side where he took the magic missile shot by Kailana. Though not one of their number has escaped the last dire test unscathed, and so the healers go to work, expending their spells in their service. Len heals herself for two life points, and Solus for thirteen. Twyla heals Stockholm for three, and Kailana for five. Twyla also heals Bardar of eleven life points, whilst Nim heals five for Amazar, and seven for Lelena. Brina goes to Orson and heals him six life points, and the Uname channel the benevolent energy of their horns. Hava receives three, Tani receives four, and Vela receives four. Solus takes the Sword of Heaven and bestows two points upon Nora, whilst Nora takes the silver sword and heals Twyla of two. There is a great deal of discussion had, particularly involving Vela and Tani, about the deadly encounter that they have suffered this day. Tani expresses more about the full extent of the Cillian's power, of their place amongst the many star systems, at the end of time, of their mastery over worlds, and of the danger their technology still poses. How do you know all this? Asks Bardar. You speak as if you were there. I think it was something about confronting that technology head on, says Tani. It's brought back a number of deep memories within me and of my people. We're called the Zerum, and I was called Elzarkura. Is that how you knew how to disable that panel? Asks Bardar further. I gotta look at it after, and I've never seen anything like it. Elzar was very knowledgeable about technology of this kind, continued Tani. Having come across it firsthand on the Sicilian war world of Cereal, his essence, his memories are a true part of me, I'm realizing. For this reason, I think it's fair to say that he and I are the same. I see, said Bardar. Cautiously, as the others looked on. Friend Halfling, if it feels right to you, I'd be pleased to address you, sir, as Elzar from now on. No, and I don't suppose that's right, says Tani. I wouldn't take that first name, 
because he's not the only one with me. Maybe his last name, though. If you like, you can call me Tanikura. Barter nods his head in acknowledgement, though as the conversation continues, and as the healers do their work, again the threat of the Cillian technology is raised, paired with deep concern over their food and especially their water supply, which is dwindling dangerously away. episode has been contributed by Katie Otten via the Creative Commons Attribution License. Find Katie on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter as Katie Otten 13 And I thank you, Katie, for your unparalleled performance, which has brought alive the many unique personalities of the Iron Realm. Copyright Able Enzo is an advanced RPG podcast putting a focus on the dangerous arenas that exist deep within the maze of stone. Find more for the Iron Realm Arena at patreon.com slash the Iron Realm or find the Iron Realm Dungeon Cast at theironrealm.blogspot.com. Audio for the show is either created by me or provided by honored contributors who lend their art with permission. Where pertinent, find all their information under the show notes for this episode. And I thank you too, my patrons, for your loyalty and for your support. It is your contribution at patreon.com that allows the Iron Realm Arena to proceed far into the future. Show your support keep the game going and always find your next contest for the iron realm arena there i thank you listeners one and all may your gladiators be victorious in the iron realm arena considers what the Dark Elf has said. They realize that the magic she claims to have is nothing available to any of them, and their group has been traveling many days so far, with still no hint of the exit or any way to replenish their supplies should either exist at all. You can tell if she's lying, can't you, Master Wizard? asks Marks of Amazar. Not precisely says the wizard. However, I can tell if Vela has an evil intention, though my capacity to determine this is 
at the moment spent. Therefore, let us leave the woman tied until I might recover this on the morrow, and if the Mazari's intentions are honorable, then, and only then, will we give her the book. Vela sits down upon the blanket between Orson and Lilena, her hands still tied behind her, whilst Bardar goes to tie her ankles as well, which has been done each night before sleep. Hava looks on over this, almost unemotionally, and the rest of the tribe plans for the watch. 10 o'clock p.m., Solus and Tani. 12 o'clock, Twyla and Nora. 2 a.m., Hava and Stockholm. 4 a.m., Bardar and Brevet. And 6 a.m., Amazar and Lilena. It is at 6 a.m. as well that those requiring study for their spells or those who require quiet contemplation for their prayers shall attend to their arts as well. Ultimately, the night passes by uneventfully. There is no further return by the Cillian technology, and Tani hypothesizes that only at the location of a specialized panel might they experience any encounter like the dire tests they've come across before. In all directions, the open blue, infinite, and having taken his spells by 8 a.m., the dark elf is presented to him. She stands before him, both wrists bound behind her back. Vela stands proudly with her chest pushed out and her eyes unapologetically upon the wizard. Amazar casts no evil, and as the spell falls upon her, with the wizard in deep consideration, some moments later, as all wait on with bated breath, the elder man says simply, Very well. Bardar frees her wrists, and Vela rubs them absently, bearing marks still upon them, which have worn viciously into her skin over the many days since her capture. But the Dark Elf spares little attention on this. Instead, shortly after, holding out her hand, the spells of her sister are not given into her care. Not just yet. But her own Mazari spellbook is delivered, placed in her hands. And she settles down to peruse it, running her fingers along the spine and the edges of the cover, as if being reacquainted with an old friend after a very long time. Orson sits beside her, and Lilena as well, whilst Vela flips through the pages a few at a time. I am not.
how to respond, but Vela challenges several of them for an answer. First Orson, who agrees, then Nora, who agrees, and last Amazar, who grudgingly agrees. At this, Vela stood up at the center of them all, closed her eyes, and covered them with her hand, whilst pointing the finger on her other hand, towards the sky. She hummed a sound, something like music, turning in place several times, until finally lowering her hand, which indicated now a direction of approximately southeast. Southeast, says Nora, resolutely. And though it has not been indicated precisely whether that direction indicates an exit from the expanse, the tribe has chosen in this moment of faith to believe that it does. The tribe keeps their promise and Vela is not tied again. Though Amazar secretly advises several amongst their number to keep a close eye upon her for the time being. Her book however is taken yet again, this time held in Amazar's care. I thank you for your service, he says to her. Perhaps the book is best in my safekeeping for the time being. been your maze master, Abel Enzo. Remember, play hard or go home. I am Ralph! Good night, everyone.
acknowledgements for all contributors to this episode have been included according to the Creative Commons Attribution License 3.0, unless otherwise noted. All honor to the following allies of the Iron Realm Arena. Crowd Screaming A by Inspector J, www.jshaw.co.uk Crowd Cheering Football 01 by Wana73 freesound.org slash people slash wana73 monster by audio richter freesound.org slash people slash audio richter custom audio by crystal martinez twitter.com slash captain lady luck and custom audio by rin araneta used with permission all honor to all contributors to the Iron Realm. Your maze masters are with you in the light and in the dark. The Iron Realm Arena Contest 2 The Blorogs Prerequisite. Completion of at least Contest 1. Arena Tribe must be Tribe Level 1, 2, or 3 in order to run this contest. The howls and screams of the crowd rose as the tribe streamed at the gate to the arena. Lit on all sides by torches, the cracked flagstones extended in all directions. And there were bones littered everywhere upon the floor, and there was blood, and the space had been mainly left as it was, following the prior bout. Their specialist nodded knowingly. They had fought here before. Beyond was the field of battle, known as the secret antechamber. And then, as some hidden gate guardian called on a rusty wheel, the gate came up an inch at a time, and the tribe stepped into the arena. Here arrive the champions of Ocularum, shouts the maniacal Lord of Eyes. It was a crazed and bulging mass of tentacles, encircling a near-bursting and bulbous central eye, and the tribe tried not to look upon it, rather suffering its rant as they scanned the arena for their enemy. Their last battle they have won, says the Lord of Eyes, spinning in the air above its throne. But this day, the Duke of Despair has brought a team to rival them, and there is no guarantee of another victory. The Duke has fielded a faction from his favorite species. Release them, Guardians, for the Glorog have come to spar. The leader and the defender at once had their attention upon the far gate, and four bulging, frog-like creatures came through, their slick skin highlighting their forms under the torchlight. Each stood as high as a man, and all of them now were croaking loudly. Let the contest begin, screamed the Lord of Eyes, and heed me, champions, fell. 